Welcome to the Atlantic Baptist Church Podcast. Visit our new website at AtlanticBC.org. Or check us out on Facebook for the latest updates. Now, here's Pastor Carlos. So I am so glad that you are here today. I don't know how many of you, but I really uh, uh, have felt God's presence today here. I needed it, to be honest with you. It's been a busy week, and it's really, uh, uh, you know, you you go on vacation, you kind of put everything in order, you get back from vacation, and nothing fits in the order that you placed it. That's the way it works. So hopefully I have another week to try to implement what I said I was going to implement while I was uh, uh, away in Missouri. How many of you have no, have noticed that traffic is getting busier out there? Huh? Uh, how many? I mean, I, yeah, uh, I was I was bringing my wife from uh, uh, an event that she was part yesterday, and I decided to take a different way because the northern way, uh, the the line to make to turn left on Atlantic Boulevard, this is A1A, was uh, was about two miles long just to make a left there. So I figure, okay, let me get smarter and I go south to Commercial Boulevard. Well, not a, the greatest idea because I got there and, and it was the same thing. The only difference, it was two lanes instead of one. So it got even worse. And, uh, uh, I, I, you know, it took, I, it took me uh, a while uh, to get to, to an area where I could drive for about one minute without a traffic light or some cars stopping and, and I said, wow, Christmas is here. Uh, a lot of out-of-towners are here, which is fine. They're welcome to come. I don't have a problem with that. I have a problem with traffic. And so, I mean, they all should bring bicycles. It would be a lot better. So, but traffic gets really hectic. And uh, if you've noticed that, uh, I believe that that's one of the signs of this time of the year in South Florida. You, you, this increase of, of people driving out in the streets, it, it's normal. This is the time of the year in which I do something. I don't know if you do what I do, but I love to do this. I mean, I go, I, I actually, uh, when I see a traffic light changing, I kind of slow down because I don't want to be the first one out there. I want to be like the third or the fourth. And what I do is I t- start looking at all the tags and I start running an inventory. Who are the ones that are not from Florida? And, uh, and, and I kind of, okay, that's from Illinois, that's from New Jersey, that's from New York, and all these other uh, places, Arkansas, a few, I saw a few from Arkansas, and I said, well, it's that time of the year. Believe it or not, it keeps me sane as I drive out there in this traffic, just to do that, okay? So everybody has their, their thing, and that's one of my things. I love to do that, and it also kind of kills some time. Because, I mean, when it takes me only 15 minutes to get home today, it takes me about 25. So I figure, okay, let me just do something to stay sane out there in the street. Today, I, I would like to, to talk to you about some out-of-towners that, after a long, long, long trip, they arrived to Bethlehem with meaningful, meaningful gifts for, the, for a newborn child who would be Messiah and King. I want you to open your Bibles or access your devices, whichever you have, to Matthew chapter 2 and verses 1 to 11. I'm going to read the first six verses and and we'll take it from there. Then we'll finish the other five. Uh, I really want to uh, talk to you about the... Last week we talked about the promised king. 
This, this week, I want to talk to you about the King of Kings is with us. It's here with us. And that's, the time, that's what we celebrate this time of the year. The Bible says, and I'm reading out of the New King James. You can see it on the screen or you can look at it in your Bibles or your uh, computers. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his start in the east and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled. And all Jerusalem was troubled with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. So they said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Who are these wise men? Who are these out-of-towners who show up all of a sudden to Jerusalem and they start causing all this big hoopla in that city? They start asking, who, who is this, where is this, uh, this king of the Jews? We're looking for him. It's my guys, uh, uh, as you, uh, as you uh, read in some of your translations from the east, were likely to, come, to have come from Babylon at that time. They were, they were not evil magicians, but culturally influential students of the stars. They were people of high class, well-respected, and they were students of the, uh, the different things that happened in the stars. And through them, they, they were able to to get some, uh, some uh, knowledge at that time. Now, something strange had happened. Their interest must have been awakened by an unusual star that they saw, that they observed. There was an unusual star up in the heavens, and this kind of, kind of gave them an aha moment. Wait a second. This is not normal. And, and their, their interest was awakened. Now, I want to start by saying we do not know how many were they. We have this picture all the time of three. And one is African-American, the other one is Hispanic, and the other one is Caucasian. I don't know how they are. But we have this picture of three different guys. Well, there were three gifts, and maybe that's where it comes from. But in reality, we don't know how many of them were. And to be honest with you, I believe there were many that came with them because it was pretty dangerous to, to travel in those times. And, and, and it was, they probably had a pretty large group of people that made such a lengthy and dangerous cross-continent trip. Not only that, but, but, but if you look at it, they, they really kind of caused a, 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 a turmoil in Jerusalem when they showed up. All of a sudden, they show up. Jerusalem is not a little town. It's a pretty large town. And they come in that city and they start asking these questions, and they create a turmoil. They even concerned and worried the king at that time. How they came to connect the birth of the king of the Jews with the strange star 
it's always a mystery. It's always been a mystery. So if you want to know, I don't have the answer, write it down in a piece of paper. Make sure they put it in your pocket the day you die. And when you go to heaven, you ask the Lord. But I have no idea how it happened. And there's so many different theories out there, I don't even want to start. But it was a mystery how this happened. Now, the King Herod that you see in this, in this passage is Herod the Great. He's mentioned here and also in Luke chapter 1 and verse 5. His father, Antipater II, he was a Jew who gained influence under the Roman Empire. And he was influential in his sons Herod's rising to power. He ruled between the years 34 and 4 before Jesus Christ. And during that time, uh, he was named by the Romans the king of the Jews. And you can see the, the correlation here. All of a sudden, this bunch of people from out of town start to show up here and say, well, we're looking for the newborn king of the Jews. Wait a second. I'm not newborn. I'm an old man. I'm the the king of the Jews. Who are you looking for? So there's someone that's going to replace me. Somebody that's going to take my place. That did not work too good with Herod. But that was an issue that he had. History tells us that during during that time, I mean, this guy, uh, it was a guy that was really, really strange when it came to situations like this. And we, we'll talk a little bit more about that later on. But I believe this is in part why he gets all bent out of shape when they say the king of the Jews. Now, the, the important point here is not, that's not the important point. I want you to know who the Magi, the Magi was and who, was, who Herod was. The important point here is that God brought the birth of the king to the attention of all these Gentiles. There were not Jews who saw the start and all of a sudden are looking for the, for the, for the new king, the newborn king. The, the, the point here is that these people journeyed many months from Mesopotamia to Jerusalem in look, in search of that king. Now, if you look at the, at the quote in verse 6, which we read, it comes from a prophet, Micah, chapter 5, verse 2. And Micah prophesied uh, around the time of the, of the northern kingdom, about 722 years before Christ was born, before Christ's time. Now, last week we spoke about prophecy. This is one of the prophecies that we spoke about, how they knew the coming of the Messiah would happen even over 700 years before. Now, what is it that the, the, the context in which this prophets writes this when solomon died and you know who solomon is the son of david who was king uh when he died between 926 and 922 before christ the the 10 northern tribes of israel uh refused to submit to his son rehoboam uh, as a king and they revolted and what happened is the kingdom of israel the the people of israel separated in two different kingdoms from this point on there would be two kingdoms of Hebrews. In the north would be Israel, in the south would be Judah. And these kingdoms remained separate for over 200 years. Through this prophet, through the prophet Micah, 
the Lord used the, the lesson of the northern kingdom's fall because, it, you know, it disappeared. It fell and it disappeared for history to confront Judah's own disobedience. What happened to the ten tribes in the northern part? God used, uses Micah to bring it to, their, to the attention to the, the two in the southern part and said, Hey, this happened over here. Let me, let me tell you what, what could happen to you down in the south. And, and, and he used that to confront Judah's own disobedience to God. He warned of Judah's future judgment. But he also, he also gave cause for hope. He foretold the restoration of, of the restoration of the remnant of the of, of the smaller group of of Israelites who would would really obey and follow the Lord. It is in this context of hope that these words these words are quoted in Matthew. It is here where we find what I believe to be the the first gift that I want to share with you today. The gift of the Messiah child brings hope. To Jews and Gentiles alike. The message of Christmas is a message of hope. You know, I don't know how many, every time I I find somebody that tells you, Pastor, I have a problem. I basically tell them you must be the happiest person in the world because I can give you a few. I can share with you about many of them. If you only have one one, uh, problem, you're really doing very good. But one of the things that we need to understand is that life is full of struggles. We have struggles left and right. We have struggles with our health. And as you get older, it gets worse. We have financial issues. Many of you are going through financial struggles. Some of you have emotional issues. And we all have them in different levels. But there's some of you are really struggling with emotional troubles and problems. You have, or many have, relational issues in this time. And especially in this time of the year, every small struggle in our lives becomes a little bigger for some reason. It becomes larger. And it's just a sign of of the times. I want to tell you today that the hope we have in Christ declares that all these things are temporal. All these things will pass away. It will pass away at a certain time during this side of eternity, but it will definitely pass away when you go to be with the Lord. The hope we have in Christ declare not only that all these things are temporal, but that Jesus Christ has paved the way for an eternal life of joy. Beginning here today, if you make that decision with Christ, and ending with God in heaven throughout eternity. That is a message of hope. We have in Christ Jesus a hope of an abundant and enjoyable life on this side of eternity that is not based on our circumstances. And that's the difference between joy and happiness. See, this world, everywhere you read, everybody's looking for happiness. Well, You've heard this. Uh, happiness is it, it, it's it's kind of conditioned to what happens in your life, but joy is not like that. You can receive the joy of God in your life, even in the most difficult situations in your life. You ha- you can enjoy who you are in Christ, 
if you are in Christ Jesus, if you are in Him. Outside of Him, the struggles of life seem like, like too big for us to be able to handle. The worst thing that any situation in your life can do is to take away your life on this side of eternity. But guess what? If you're in Christ, that's gravy. If you're in Christ, that's great. Because, tell me something, do you have to worry about paying that mortgage the next time around? Uh Uh-uh. Do you have to worry about waiting for what the doctor has to say about something they found in your blood test next month? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter anymore. If I die today of a heart attack while I'm preaching, just drag my body out there, call the rescue to pick him up and continue to celebrate because I beat you to heaven. And I'll be in heaven for sure waiting for you to say, na-na-na-na, I made it there before you did. When I was in seminary, we used to have this discussion, what would be better to wait, to be here when the, when the Lord Jesus Christ comes, returns for his church or to die. And I kept on saying, I'd rather die first and nobody else wanted to believe me. And I said, yes, I want to die because the Bible says that those who are dead in Christ will be, they'll come back to life, they'll, they'll get new bodies and they'll get to heaven first. So, so I want to be there first. And I want to be there to, to welcome you with a face of got here first. Revelation chapter 21 says, And I, talking about John, John was writing this, And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death. No sorrow. Nor crying. There shall be no more pain for the former things have passed away. You see, the message of Christmas is a message of hope if you're in Christ. If you're in Christ, it's a message of hope. If you're not in Christ, I encourage you to, to, to seek this, to, to, to just, just come to me, come to one of our pastors, one of our leaders and say, how can I be in Christ so that I can enjoy that hope? Because I tell you something, without Christ, all you got is what you got and you can't get much more than that. And then when you die, You will be lost for eternity. And we don't want that. I don't want that. I don't want anybody here today to go to eternity and not hang out with me for eternity. I know that I could be a pain in the rear end once in a while. But hey, we'll hang out together and you'll help me to change. And I'll help you to help you. Just to put up with me. What a hope we have in Christ Jesus. When you celebrate Christmas this year, just think about this. What a hope. If Jesus had not been born, he had not lived, he would have not 
died and he would have not come back to life and he would have not been able to guarantee this but he did and because he did i know i will too i know i will too and so will you if you know christ is your lord and savior so will you we continue in matthew chapter 2 and verse 7 i could be there all afternoon because this is this is an awesome thing but let's let's continue with this with this story here. Then Herod, the Bible says, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, hey, go and search carefully for the young child. And when you have found him, bring back word to me that I may come and worship him also. Yeah, right. When they heard the king, they departed. And behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. Exceedingly great. Great joy would have been okay. But, but I mean, the, Matthew wanted to make sure they understood. They, 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 they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy it's like they had joy 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 that's what they had they really had a lot of joy and when they had come into the house they saw the young child with mary his mother and fell down and worshiped him and when they had opened their treasures they presented gifts to him gold frankincense and myrrh in other words herod called the magi into his chambers alone to try to determine when this new king was to be born and exact and the exact location of his birth he wanted to know he did not know he did not know this was but we all know now looking back that this was a self-serving strategy he had no desire to worship the new king whatsoever he just wanted to get rid of him he wanted to eliminate him because yeah you ain't taking my position of the king of Jews okay so he just wanted to, to eliminate. The goal was to locate him and then kill him. He saw him as a potential competition. Now, I, I looked a little bit more about this guy. And man, this guy, thank God for the precedent we have because this guy was bad. This Herod guy was really bad. Uh, uh, I was looking in the history and he, I found out that he was a paranoid ruler that killed many of his close relatives, even the close relatives, at the suspicion of wanting to dispose him, he ordered their, their killing, wives, children, whatever. As a matter of fact, in that time, there was a saying among the Roman, the Roman Empire that it was safer to be Herod's pig than being his, Herod's son. That's how they said, that's how bad the guy was. He was paranoid about somebody taking his place as king of the Jews. Well, about continuing the story, the Magi did follow the, the star, which uh, by what we read uh, had to be a supernatural phenomenon because, I mean, the, the, it was awesome to see the star. Just follow me with a sign that said, follow me. And, and, and they just follow the star. And then all of a sudden it stopped at a certain place. Now, I don't know what it was, but I know a God that can do whatever he wants to do. So I don't even want to figure it out. But he did. I mean, have you ever seen a star? Have you seen a meteor just going from one side and he all of a sudden stops over your house? 
That doesn't happen. Well, it happened here. That's an awesome phenomenon just by itself. When they found where Jesus and his family were living, the Bible says that they were exceedingly, they experienced exceedingly great joy. Now, I I want to clarify this because those of you that are theologians here will want me to clarify this. Because uh, there's a big difference here. One to two years have elapsed since Jesus' birth when they came here. So I'm sorry if you have a real nice nativity at home. Make sure you take those three wise men and put them a little far because they were not there yet. You know, you can have the nativity over here. uh, And then put the three kings in the back in the kitchen. Because they still haven't made it yet. And then try to build a little house. And then put a little Jesus a little bigger. You know, he already grew up a little bit. And there you can put the three wise king. Because it took them one to two years to to show up there. And verse 11 describes Joseph and Mary now living in a house. They already walked out of that manger. The, the child is not there. The child is at a home now when they showed up. So if, if I messed up your Christmas, I'm so sorry. So, obviously, you can see that they have left the manger where the birth took place at this time. Now they are in a house, and they can come and visit in a home. Now, one thing is clear, and I want, to, I want you to listen to me, because this, this depends your eternal destiny. This is the most important part of the whole message. Their destination was not just a place. It was a person. They were not looking for a place only. They were looking for the king of Jews. They were looking for the little child Messiah, the child Christ. They were looking for Christ Jesus. That's who they were looking for. So the most important gift that you can have in Christmas, the best gift that you can have, the number one, and it's better than anything else, is the person of Christ Jesus is the most important thing. His presence in your life, it is it's more important than anything that anybody can give you this time of the year. <clears throat> Actually, things that people can give you this time of the year, you play with them for the next 30 days and then you put them aside and do a garage sale, but with Jesus continues to be the gift that keeps on giving, like I said last Sunday. You know, like, like in the, in the wise man's case, like in this Magi case, our destination should be, during this time of the year, should be Christ Jesus. Not J.C. Penney's. Only, just. Not just J.C. Penney's. No, just the mall. No, just Walmart or whatever you want to go. Not just sitting there online and making all the place, placing all that order. Christ, Christmas is not just the celebration of some holiday. Christmas is not just getting some time off from work. All that is good. But it's not just that. Christmas, like many people in this world will tell you about Christmas this year, it's not just spending time with loved ones. And it's good. I'm not saying that it's bad, but it's, that's not it. That's not the, meaning, the most meaningful thing in this time of celebration. Christmas is not just spending unbelievable amount of money and gifts 
When I heard the, the average amount of money that a person spends in the United States, and, and believe me, as a pastor, I'm way below that average, okay? But, but, but when I hear the amount of money that in this country it's spent per capita in, in Christmas time, I said, man, unbelievable. But Christmas is not about spending money in gifts alone. Christmas is the celebration of a person. It's the celebration of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Guys, if you haven't gotten it, just think about it. God was made flesh and lived among us and brought us hope and joy for this life. Salvation from our well-deserved eternal condemnation due to sin and an eternal relationship with the Father by faith in Him who we celebrate this time of the year. Have you thought about that? Have you thought about that? What should this bring about in each one of our lives? A better desire to get into the mall for six hours after church today? That's okay. If you want to do it, I'll go with you. That's fine. But I'm going to be preaching to you all six hours. I'm going to be looking and say, hey, thank you, Lord, for that. Look, Jesus, over there. Look, and I, to remind you that this is about Jesus. What should this bring about in each one of us? What did it bring about with the, with the Magi when, when they showed up at the house? They were well-versed people. They're in the poor house. And they show up there and the Bible says that they did what? They went, they fell down and worshipped him. This is a time of worship. This time of the year is a time of worship. If they did that, what is it that God expects from you this time of the year? He wants your worship. He wants you to, to worship him for that child that was born that day. Who became your Savior, your Lord, your God on, on this earth. Knowing Christ. Really knowing Christ will always spur a heart of worship. Always. You know, I was reading uh, this portion here of this guy. And, and the thing that really caught my attention was the fact that here are this well-versed people, rich, and they come into this poor's house family. This poor house. And the Bible says, and you know, if you look in the original, it basically said their legs shaken and they were wobbled and they fell in worship. They had nowhere to go but the floor and worship the Savior that day. That little baby. Many of us take this time of the year and the last thing we think is about spending time and giving thanks to God. Worship Him for what He's done. We need to be careful this time of the year. You know, I don't want to put a sticker out there that says, you know, what is that? Uh, Jesus is the reason for the season. It sounds so yuck. I like the one that Chris put out there. The most important part in Christmas is the five first, the first five letters. Did you read that? It's out there. I already got somebody that told me he's coming next week for the program because they said, hey, I never thought about that. The most important 
think during Christmas is the five, the first five letters. Christ, the first six letters. Is it five, six? Six letters. Christ is Christ. It is, it is, it is such a truth. That sign is preaching the truth for Christmas. But being Christ, being the, the, the one that deserves the worship, our worship, being the Savior Himself is not all. In Matthew, uh, when Matthew wrote this, he, he also revealed an additional aspect to the work of the King Jesus Christ. He will not only rule as King, but also He will shepherd the people of Israel and you and me as Gentiles too. You know what that means? A shepherd is an image of a ruler of God's people. But it implies guidance, pastoral care, and, and a sense of compassion. So the third thing that I want to bring to you, the gift of hope, the gift of the person of Jesus Christ, but the gift of a true shepherd for your life is Jesus Christ. And it's the gift of Christmas this year. It's one of the gifts that God has given you. Jesus once said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. And he did. I am the good shepherd. And I know my sheep and I'm known by my own. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. And I give them eternal life and they shall never, again, let me say it again, shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hands. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. And no one, no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. You know what that means? I mean, once you are in Christ, you ain't getting out of Christ. You belong to Him. And nobody can take that away from you. If you've, if you've received Christ, if you really have entrusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior in your life, there is no room for you to doubt that you are in God's love. To doubt that He cares for you. To doubt that He call, that will come to your rescue in times of difficulty to fulfill His purpose, His purpose in your life and through your life. There is no reason to believe that God has gone on vacation. He's always there. And nothing, nothing can take you away from His love. Jesus Christ is your eternal pastor. He is the first one you ought to go when you need guidance. He is the first one you ought to go when you need someone to care for you. He is the first one that you need to go when you need compassion in your life, when compassion is required. Not your neighbor. Not somebody else. It's okay to have spiritual, uh, strong spiritual uh, friends in your life. It's okay to have me as your pastor if you want to, or any other pastor. But the first place we ought to go is to that true shepherd. Because he is our shepherd. Men will disappoint you. The true shepherd will never disappoint you. He will never, ever disappoint you. What we see here is a Magi recognizing, the Magi recognizing as divine, as divine guidance, 
The Bible says that they, 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 because they recognized this, they were filled with exceedingly great joy. They found the mother and child and fell down before him in worship. And the Bible says that they, 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 bear, they bore gifts. And the gifts used to honor the child were typically associated with royalty. All three gifts honored the child as God, as Messiah, and as King. All three of them. If you want to study deep, and we're not going to do that today, you can see the first one was gold. Gold, was what is, which is a precious metal price for its beauty and value, is just a token of Christ's kingship. Only kings received this kind of gift, and this guy's showed up there. This man showed up there with gold for the king of kings. Frankincense. Frankincense is an aromatic, uh, aromatic resin used in incense and perfumes. It was, it was used for, for good smell, for, for, for really good odors, and, 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 and it was a perfume. It's to make perfumes. But in, in the Old Testament, frankincense was, was uh, symbolic of divinity. And it was a token of Christ as God, as divine, as the divinity. And then myrrh. Myrrh was also used in, in, for perfumes and stuff like that, but it was used to embalm in the embalming process. Here you see a token of Christ's suffering and sacrificial death. That's what you see. When you look at the three gifts that they bore, they didn't know that. But we can look back and we can look at it and we see his life. One thing catches my attention about all this account. If the coming of the Messiah was so important for for this people, how come they didn't see this? We can't see it today. This was a foretelling of what Jesus would go through, who he was. What he was and what, what he meant to every one of us. But the people in that time could not see it. We can see it now. I want to finish by telling you there is one thing that I, I really want to share with you that uh, I would not like to finish a message without it. There is something there that caught my attention in this story. If the coming of the Messiah was so important for God's people, for Israel, how come the chief priests and the scribes did not go to get to know the, the, the child king with the Magi. How come they said, yes, we know where he's going to be born and, 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 and here it is. But they stood. They didn't go with them to meet the, the Savior, the Messiah that they were waiting for. How come they didn't follow? The question is, what is it with, what is it with wanting for the Lord to show up in our lives and then when he does, we don't recognize him. We don't recognize him. Why is it that that, that happened? Why is it that as a pastor, when I want to, to, you to tell me what is God doing in your life, we can barely, I can barely get a word out of many of you. Why is it when God is at work in our lives all the time and there are great things happening in our lives? Why is it that we ask the Lord to become a reality in our lives and when he does... We can't recognize him. Just a question for you to keep take home. Some homework. Don't let yourself 
get caught on, on that question when I approach you and I ask you, what is God doing in your life? Start thinking about it. Keep it in your mind all the time. And in this Christmas time, it's a wonderful time to sit down and run. Just, just do an inventory of all the great things that God has done this year in our lives. Even the ones that felt bad, but we can see God at work in it. Just remember it. Run an inventory of all the great things that God has done in your life. It's a wonderful time to do that. Last week, we saw how God, in an act of grace, and to instill hope in the lives of those of the Old Testament, prophesied centuries ahead of time, before the coming of the Savior. And, and we saw how, how they died in the ex, just expecting and hoping for the birth of that Messiah, for that king, that child that would become king of kings. He died. They died waiting for that. We look at it as a historic fact also, now looking back. But it's interesting that the priests and the scribes of the time were able to interpret the word and the prophecy and not be excited about it, not pay attention at all. We get caught up in the pace of this season, but forget to give honor and worship to the child king, to the child Jesus Christ. Don't let that happen in your life. Not this year. Don't let it happen. This is a time to enjoy hope, to enjoy, to just be joyful. But even more importantly, it is the time to enjoy his presence in our lives. Emmanuel, God with us. He is king. He is Savior. He is God. Don't let yourself forget that. Father, we come to your presence at this time. We give you honor and glory. Because of what, what you did at that time, because of the birth of the, of the child Jesus, because of the, the birth of the King of Kings, because of the birth of who would become our, our Messiah, Father, our Christ. Today, we have hope for a great life on this side of eternity and an eternal life on the other side of eternity. It's because of his birth that he died and, 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 was, and rose again. Father, we thank you so much for it. Father, I pray for my brothers and sisters today. I pray, Father, that if there's one here that still has not trusted Jesus Christ, as their Lord and Savior, that they make that decision today. Because Christmas will never be the same when Christ is in us. I pray for my brothers and sisters today, Father, that as we rejoice during this time and we enjoy this time together by celebrating all the lights and, and all the shopping and all the spending time with our friends and our family and all the joy of being together at this time, that we will not forget one moment that it is all about the child Jesus. It's about Him. And we want to celebrate Him in our lives. Thank you for everything that He brought he bought us gift for each one of us. We thank you so much for the hope and the peace 
and for the, for the eternal life that we get. We thank you so much for being part of your family. We thank you so much for everything that he accomplished in our behalf. But first, we thank you for him, for his presence in our lives. Thank you, Father. While everybody has their eyes closed, I want to give you the opportunity to make that decision today. Maybe you have never entrusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and this would be a great, great time to do that. You never, ever before said, you know what? I have not prayed to receive Christ as my Lord and Savior, and today I know I need to do it today. Would you just raise your hand and let me help you to make that prayer today? Let me help you to receive Christ as your Savior and your Lord today if you have not done it yet. Would you receive Him as your Lord and Savior today? Maybe you all have received Christ as your Lord and Savior. But for some reason, this time of the year kind of takes over and we forget about the fact that the Christmas is about Christ. And you want to make sure today, you want to go before the Lord and, and just make a commitment with Him that you will celebrate Him first and everything else second. Would you make that commitment today as we gather here today and prepare for Christmas? Would you just raise your hand and I, let me pray with you about this. Let me just ask God to help us in this commitment during this time of the year. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your Son, Jesus Christ. We commit our hearts this time of the year to keep him first in our thoughts, to keep him first in our speech, to keep him first in our behavior, to keep him first this Christmas, for him to be first in everything. We thank you so much for the gift of hope, but we thank you even more for the gift of of a Savior. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.